A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. is clapping thank you thank you for joining us you're a little bit low audio wise but um if you can hear ian uh just nod ian please say something uh hello everyone and uh welcome um uh, and you know nice to see you all or (laughs) speak to someone for a long time because it's uh, it's been a while oh well everyone's in lockdown and um yes everyone's been socially isolating but one of the things which has been keeping most people healthy and hale is the archers even though it's in a different format um i must admit ian right when i reached out to you and i said hmm let's do this i did i was a little bit i was a little bit scared sir because i'm gonna be honest with you um for the last month or so i have been saying to myself what is the point of the character of roy tucker But but before we come on to your answer of that um because we've never spoken before i think everybody else who has actually done a dumby dumda zoom i've spoken to before they've come on the show so first off thank you and the second thing um you came into the show as a as a teenager and you've worked on eastenders haven't you so you had somewhat of a no i came into the show uh, no i came into the show when i was um 
24 years old. And, and when you came into the show, what did they tell you that Roy Tucker was? Who was Roy Tucker going to be? Well, they didn't. They, they didn't <laughs> tell me anything at all. Um, I, 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 didn't, I had to do an audition, uh-huh. uh, uh, which I had no idea what the Archers was about at all. So I went to the studio and I, and, um, I did two scenes with the guy uh, who played my dad, was Terry Malloy, the wonderful Terry Malloy. Um, also known as Davros. Um, so, you know, Davros is my dad, which very few people can actually actually say that at all. Um, I want a teacher of that, actually, at some point. And, um, you know, the Lord of the Daleks is my dad. But the um, but and, and the, I had no idea how um, Roy Tucker would have to speak or, um, or whatever. And they gave me two scenes to do. And mm-hmm. um, one scene, uh, I spoke first, and the other scene, he spoke first. And I was hoping to hell that um, he would start talking so I knew what his voice would sound like but they didn't so they so they started and it was some like silly scene about me fixing a motorbike or something in in in, in the yard or whatever and so i obviously started speaking sort of rp is which which i sort of am now and then and he came in with oh for flaming hell's sake roy what are you doing around here with that <laughs> so i just like looked at him and i just all i did was i copied his voice and i tried to get as close a voice match to um to terry of, uh, as my dad, you know, playing my dad in it as I possibly could, and so, and obviously in the tapes that they they got from me, they thought that I I had a um you know a, a decent voice match, so um so they thought that that, that could be um his son. But do you think that was the only thing that they saw within you? Because I, I I'm still a little bit kind of confused because surely when you bring in a new character and obviously Roy had been a silent so the character of Roy had existed because yeah it had been yeah but it, but he was sixteen he just literally turned sixteen sixteen seventeen but obviously mm-hmm. I was I'm ten years or or I was like nine ten years older than that um and so then you got to then lighten the voice quite a lot um to certain um, certain things and obviously then they write you differently but um on my first day. Uh, in there when I was doing it, um, Vanessa Whitburn, who was the um, executive producer at that um, time, or the, the editor, um, walked me down the long corridors of, of, of Pebble Mill, which oh, there are many, or there were many, not anymore. But uh, And she said, oh, and by the way, um, uh, the storyline that we're going to introduce you to is um, that you're going to be a racist. Um, we're bringing up, well, not a racist, but we're, we're going to um, bring up the storyline of... Um, of basically racism through um, uh, local universities and colleges, and, and the uprising of of all of that, of the um, you know the National Front and all of that um, coming through, or um, and obviously which led to the storyline of me giving information to certain people in um, that college um, about Usha Usha Gupta. And then eventually of her having acid thrown in her face, which it was a bit of a gobsmack to me, to be honest with you. When I was walking, I said, oh, I'm not sure if I signed up for this. I've got no idea. I, I, would, I would have thought, though, as, as, as an actor, you want storylines like that, don't you? You know, re, you know it's a big storyline to come in with, you know. Well, and dare I say it, the, the character of Roy, um, for slightly, you know, for Archer's actors of a certain vintage, it's always like, Roy the racist, you know, kind well, of. Absolutely, everyone knows me as Roy the racist, <laughs> and you know, and, and you know, and so therefore, it's it's not as an actor. Basically, what you do is you get given um, the part and the role, and you surely have to do it to 
to the best of uh, of its ability. And so then you 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 take it on board. You can't say, well, personally, sometimes personally, I'm you know, I, I disagree with this because I think a lot of the greatest um, movie, films, art, um, or whatever, uh, whatever have have had people who have basically shown an ugly side to humanity and are willing and and, and the best performers are willing to show um a, a, an ugly side um towards uh, humanity and and don't have any kind of vanity towards themselves whatsoever so you've got to just just get on and do it and and, and do the best that you possibly can do you think right yeah i'm saying this somewhat tongue-in-cheek so you right? I, I, I think think, do you think that that's one of the things slightly lacking about the character of Roy. Because since then, so you had you, you came in with a bang, right? Yeah. You had your stuff with Kate, which we're gonna refer to later. Right. But then you seemed to drift. The character of Roy seemed to drift, married Haley. He was just, you know, we couldn't the 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 listeners couldn't necessarily love him, but they couldn't hate him. There wasn't anything really to get your teeth into with him yeah well that's again that's that um, that's up to the editors and the storyliners isn't it really mm. and the script writers to um to to write something whether or not um i always thought that i worked really well with um terry um who played my dad um every time that Every, I always tried to think that every time that I was... Ian, in, I'm going to quickly jump in. You know what you should do? You should actually turn 180 because there's a massive halo around your head. You look like Jesus Christ right now. Oh, uh, you're God. kind of in shadow, but then there's a big light behind your head. So if you could okay. just turn 180 and actually face the, 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 the light, then you won't actually be in shadow. Better. There you go. You can see I'm, 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 I'm sporting my, um, my COVID crop. So... God, there's so, light so everywhere. I, I interrupted as you were. I'll hold it up there. No, that's even worse. There's lights everywhere. Oh, that's better. That's that's great. Okay. Yep. Okay. So you 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 were saying about um, working with um, working Terry. with Terry, I believe. Yeah. Well, yeah, and also and and the whole of that family as well. And um, you know, um, um, as soon as you get. Into, I always find, especially depending on what, in what of accent that, that you certainly have, because I come from the south of England. I come from uh, Hampshire, a place called Ringwood. And when you get closer to your family and you spend more time with them, then you revert back to um, an accent which you're used to with them. But then when you're dealing with people in public life or in your professional life, then you put on a different voice. And so you can't just have the same voice all of the time. So you get deeper in an accent when you're in a relaxed and uh, a family environment. When you're when you're relaxed, you come back more to your natural self. But then, obviously, when you into in, into professional um, life, then your your accent changes. So it's a very diff difficult thing with Roy because obviously, of him being involved with um, public life quite a lot in terms of. Grey Gables or with mm -hmm. Lower Flea or whatever and dealing with certain different levels of people, then you have to change your, the way of being and, 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 and talking. So um, so it, you, you have to balance it every single moment in the studio when you're, when you're doing it in terms of what, what, your, what your voice is saying. Do you, think, do you think when you first came in that Roy was going to be a truly dynamic character because you came in I with that? I had no idea. 
I had no but, idea. I thought but, but, but let's go with this. But let's go with this, though, Ian. So you came in, right, and you were at college and there's the whole Usher and racism thing. Then you're involved with Kate Aldridge. So, you know, you're having some great social climbing. You know, you're the son of a milkman, but there you are with the, with the squire's daughter. Uh, and then you're going off and you're going off to raves and festivals and whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. Phoebe was born at Glastonbury mm-hmm. and was actually announced on the Pyramid stage at that I, time. Oh. I, 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 I did not know that. I, yeah, yeah, they, I did, I'd forgotten. Because Bob Dylan was headlining, um, but he said no. Um, so I think it was like Simon Mayo or something like that was on the stage and said, oh, and by the way, um, a big uh, like a shout out to uh, Phoebe or no, so Kate Aldridge and Roy Tucker who've just given birth to a baby. <laughs> can, I, can I just say, you actually look like Simon Mayo right now. Like you could be a, a bit of a dead ringer for him. Um, <laughs> but but those, those early storylines with you and Kate were, were, were brilliant and you really were a case of opposites kind of attracting. What do you think, um, what was it like to work with the actor that played Kate back then? Oh, well, she's lovely. I mean, obviously, you know, she's now obviously enormously famous. Um, but, um, and and always would be and always has been, when even when she was younger, you know, mm. when I met her. Um, but, you know, again, um, She's been a lot of, through a lot of struggles as well in her acting career, as uh, you know, especially a, um, a lot of, sadly to say, a lot of women have and, and go through in that age. But um, but no, she's done. Oh, no. Kelly's just amazing. Kelly's just was was absolutely stunning. Obviously, and, yeah, that that's Kelly Bright. Did you yeah. were you really aware that you had a real good chemistry working together? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And uh, and Kelly didn't want to um, um, leave, but obviously she was too busy and also couldn't do um, uh, the archers because of EastEnders, so they they couldn't mix the two together. Mm. Um, so therefore, uh, and so yeah, no, she was um, yeah, she she didn't want to leave, and rather, uh, I think and I believe the same thing, um, along with uh, Lucy, who she didn't want to leave, but she couldn't actually do it because of her commitments in America. Mm-hmm. And on TV things, and she so she couldn't fly back. So for a long time, I had no one, <laughs> especially with with especially with Lucy um, over in America and whatever. So when we, we we first moved to the mailbox in Birmingham after uh, leaving uh, Pebble Mill, I hadn't seen the mailbox of where we moved to for eighteen months. Wow. So when, I first, when I first turned up, I had no idea where to go. I couldn't get out in the Western studio. What's going on? Even though I'd been in the program for, what, 15 years or something like that. So, but I had, and that was the first time that I'd actually been given an episode. I think I probably had 18 months. Well, would so, that have been? So, how do you kickstart a character sometimes again after 18 months of, mm. of doing different things? It's, it's, it's very, very difficult. I think. Would that have been your longest period of not playing Roy since you came? Yeah, yeah, that would have been, yeah, definitely. One of the things which I've always liked about the Tuckers, I always really got the sense that you were a family. Yes, absolutely. And I know that you and Terry um, do communicate for no other reason than um, when uh, Dum Dum had its little flash with media stardom, uh, when mm-hmm. we first started doing these Zoom 
uh, conversations about three months ago. And oh, yeah. we had the, the, the senior citizen who decided to play his downstairs banjo. Uh, yes. Uh, no, <laughs> I know that I was speaking to Terry afterwards and he said, Ian called me up and said, Terry, was that a setup? Was that, was that all for real? Did, well, uh, oh. It's a great friend of mine. Um, 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 uh, she's a, a presenter on um, uh, BBC uh, Radio Solon. Uh, hopefully, she might be here um, uh, watching. Um, called Lou Lou Hannon. Um, mm. So, and she's a great listener of the Archers as well. And so, um, I basically then started up writing some scripts, um, but they're filthy and they can't be um, uh, uh, doing them. Basically, around that, based on there was. <laughs> Um, uh, this this suspicious um, uh, fascistic um, masturbator <laughs> moving around Ambridge at some point, and um, and 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 the different characters that were um, involved in it. But uh, she's got the scripts. I don't anymore. I think I've thrown away, but because but they were they're, they're too too horrendous. Well, if you if you ever do anything with these, um, Ian, you know I'm, I'm not gonna... going to at all. Well, I'm just going to say, if, if the genesis of the idea came from, from Dum Dee Dum, uh, we do need 15%. Um, it, did, it, it did come from Dum Dee Dum, it must be said. It was just the very idea. I thought it was horrendous and it was outrageous, but I thought, hang on a second, that could be an idea. But no, it is. They were filthy, it must be said, and they got filthier. So, um, uh, and then uh, it was, a, it was a, a product of lockdown, I think, more than well, it Dare, dare I say, many a strange and uh, weird thing has come down, come because because of lockdown, because of so, social isolation. You, the character of uh, of Roy, has been much more to the fore recently. Obviously, yeah. you had the storyline where um, you had a bit of how's your father with your boss, and yeah. then you had you had to move on, which then put the end to your marriage. Um, and then you've been, you have been much more part of the ensemble, haven't you, since? So whether it's... Yes. Yeah, thankfully. That's been great. And also doing like the Canterbury Tales and also doing, you know, the, the, the other little spin-offs that we, that we do as well, which is, is always fascinating because then you can be and do, be, do something else, you know, um, which is, and also, uh, uh, you know, um, Calendar Girls was absolutely fantastic as well. Um, doing that but it's it's been it's been really good um and being in studio just before the lockdown came obviously there was a big storyline on the way and coming up and um with myself and whatever and we did as much as we possibly could honestly we did we worked through and through and through right until we knew that the government were going to basically call everyone off and so therefore and jeremy and the team and the bbc and did everything to get everyone back home safely as much as they possibly can have taxis on and whatever so there's no public transport if people didn't want to go on that and do whatever so they were very good and they and they tried to get as much in the can as they possibly um, could because obviously in in recording the archers all the time you don't record it in sequence a lot of time it's purely up to as well whether people can or cannot be there at that time so one week uh, you might do an episode you know three days before when another week is it's in the other week and so you chop and change it, it it's not you know consensual so, or, or um consequential so um so we were trying to get everything up into the can that could be recorded which would be you know um up to the level where we had to shut down 
So we were doing scenes and episodes which should have been recorded on a Monday or a Tuesday, but doing it on a Sunday or doing it, you know, we were, we were trying to get as much as we possibly could into everything. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a big, it was a big effort to do. And then suddenly that stopped. And so therefore we've got, and we, and that's so I've got no idea either about what, you know, what's going on. I mean, I wouldn't have thought, I mean, they haven't contacted me yet about doing one of these, um, you know, uh, in your mind things, but I would have thought it Roy Tucker's um, sort of inner monologue would be like well, 12 and a half minutes of silence with a, with a, with a, with a, with a couple of cops, which, which would more like sound like a Samuel Beckett play. <laughs> so it would be like... Ian, Ian, we, we, we have to, that, that's a great line and a great time for us to have a quick pause because um, every Friday when we do these Zooms, we also do the Dum De Dum quiz. And uh, okay. this is the time uh, for the Dum De Dum quiz. So feel free, Mr. Pepperell, to play along with this. Right. Okay. So if you've got paper and pencil, everybody, or maybe even a pen, uh, you, you can play along. It's the picture round first off. Now, this is an archer's thing or person now rosie mcglynn you you've aced the last few of these right so uh let me, if you uh do so well with these this is an archer's thing or person now we know that we have lots of blind um listeners to to the archer so hence dum-de-dum so i have to be a little bit descriptive here and let's hope that i don't completely give the game away what we're looking at here uh, first off is a map of Scotland and then there is one bit of Scotland which um, is a, a completely different colour. It's an island over in the northwest. So we're looking at a map of Scotland and then one island is another colour completely. Over on the right we have um, a vehicle of sorts. Uh, it's something which we see every day. It goes up and down the road. Then underneath that uh, we have... Um, the King of Pop. So this is an archer's thing or person. That's question number one. Number two, uh, again, specifically for our blind, uh, our blind friends, uh, we have a bar. Number one. And then number two, we have um, a book, a children's book with a, with a character with rather long legs. And then underneath that, we have an insect, actually one of my favourite types of insects, um, and um, with, with, with wings. So we have somewhere where you go and have a drink. We have um, a children's character from a book, I'm going to say from, written by Roger Hargreaves, and he's got rather long legs. And then we have a winged insect. I said instrument, I think, before, didn't I? I meant, I meant insect if I did say that. Um, last one on the picture round, um, we have um, a thing, because again, this is an archer's thing or person, um, which um, goes into the ground or into walls. And I don't know how many of these we have. I, I, I can't count. I just, I've, I've lost count of this. So this is, a, this is a thing which goes into walls or into the ground. Um, you can travel to France by, by one of these things, but I, I just can't count how many of these things there actually are. Right, now, Mr. Pepperell, questions about the character that you play. Oh, God. A, 
So sorry. At which festival did Roy and Lizzie consummate, consummate their affair? Was it A. The Isle of Wight Festival, B. Locks Fest, C. Latitude? Which festival did Roy and Lizzie first get it on? Question number two. What is the name of Roy's very awesome, very cool, and fantastic sister? I need we need her back, Ian. She's a great character. Is it A. Brenda, B. Bella, C. Barbara? A. Brenda, B. Bella, C. Barbara. She wants to come back. Good. <laughs> but she's a very successful writer at the moment. So. Question number three. Roy has been around a bit, but where has Roy <laughs> not worked? A, Lower Loxley, B, Grey Gables, or C, the Golf Club. Where has Roy not worked? A, Lower Loxley, B, Gay Gables, C, the Golf Club. Right. Where does Roy live? A, Willow Farm, B, Willow Cottage, C, Willow Lodge. Where does Roy Tucker currently abode in Ambridge? A, Willow Cottage, B, sorry, A, Willow Farm, B, Willow Cottage, C, Willow Lodge. Yeah, and you've got that one. Good, good. Um, and the last one in the Roy Tucker round. When Kate told Roy that she was pregnant with Phoebe, what did Roy ask for? Was it A, a paternity test? B, the right to name the baby, or C, custody. Let me read that one again. When Roy found out that fatherhood was on the way, what did he ask Kate for? Was it A, a paternity test? C, the right to name the baby? Or C, did he say, I need custody because you're all over the place you are? Which one of those was it? So we need to go back to you, uh, Mr. Pepperell. Um, how right. do you think you did with that? Don't give us your answer yet, but how do you think you did? Well, with, with the picture round, absolutely rubbish. <laughs> well, how about the, the, the Roy Tucker round? How do, you, how do you think you did with that? I think all right, actually. Okay, good, good, good. Because it's one of those questions which, because I did these questions last night and I knew the answer last night. I'm not quite sure of it today. Right. It's a so, long way back. You're going a long, long way back. You're going 25, 26 years now back. Well, you know what? We have to dig deep because you have to reward the, the listeners of a certain vintage, you know, so they can't all just be what you've done in the last 12 months. Um, oh, no, no. There's a lot of listeners that listen that literally will um, uh, basically say, well, that, that's not the right kind of doorbell or that's not the right kind of spoon that was used um, before in, in, that, in that household or something like that. So people are very, very particular, it must be said. Absolutely, and, and 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 people have characters who they've kind of grown up with almost. You know, if absolutely, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, as a rebellious, you were once a rebellious teen. Yes. Um, now you're not not so much so. You're well, I don't think everybody's he, I don't best man, aren't you? If everybody's well, married, I, you're the yeah, best. I don't think he was a rebellious teen. I think he was just led into something because he was just naive. That's a thing, and it was just let in, and then, then, then this like um, was like painted with this whole idea of um, of say, you know, Roy the racist. 
Um, but actually he wasn't because he didn't really know what he was doing at the age of 16, 17. He didn't, you know, a lot of people have, uh, have been like, you know, well, <laughs> like, like a lot of them. It's a horrendous um, thing just down in, in, in where we are at the moment. This teenager is only 14 years old in, in Eastleigh, where we are, you know, he's been up for terrorist um, oh, actions. And, um, you know, um, a lot of people can be, especially with the internet, and very Oh, hello, what have we got? Oh, yeah, we, uh, I'm, I'm new to it. It's Melissa Millie, uh, Williams. She didn't realise that her uh, mic had switched on. Um, I was kind of trying to make, I was going to make this point before, then I kind of drifted off. Yeah. Um, the Tuckers always were a very believable family. Uh, yes. Family. Um, when your actor, when, when Betty died, your mum. Yeah. I thought the fallout with the Tuckers was, was very heartfelt and very believable. Yeah, um, so did I, actually. I think they were really well-written um, um, episodes, actually, and really mm-hmm. well-written scenes. Tell, tell us tell us about some, maybe one of the approaches that you, you took to, you know, to grieving. How, how do you actually display that um, just vocally? Um. I I'd, I'd recently um at that time had, had just done a play oddly enough at Birmingham Rep in a, in the studio um uh, and the character was written by a, a lovely writer called Nick Stafford um who wrote War Horse and although did the adaptation of War Horse and lots of other wonderful stuff and um and a lot of that play that the character that I played then was a lot about grieving um, over a dead father, but also a father that um, that that had abused him um, at the time. But there was um, a lot of freedom, and and the, the the lady who directed that at the time was Gwenda Hughes, who um, directs now for The Archers, oddly enough. And um, you just have to open up, I suppose. Really, it's a very very hard thing to do. And the great thing is, is that the um, uh, the directors and also the uh, the studio um, uh, technicians can work with you in terms of volume, in terms of this, in terms of what the mics are doing and various different things like that. So you can literally let yourself go free mm-hmm. um, within it, which, which is great because it's the technicians that really get it absolutely spot on because they let you know exactly what what's going on or they can move the mic for you. They can do this, they can do whatever, and they'll just let you know with what they're hearing through. So. It's it, it's it's those that really that, that really help you and put, put it together. So it's it's a joint effort in time. Do you think in all of your time playing Roy uh, in the Archers that that was some of your best work, and you really had to dig deep and be vulnerable to display vun- vulnerability in loss and grief? Well, sometimes, and it's very very difficult to to, to do that just purely through your voice. Um, without people seeing you on stage or whatever, because my major um, career was really on stage. That's what I did. I did a lot of, lot of theatre um, all over the country and luckily and, and all over the world as well. So I'm playing massive big roles as well, you know, um, which I've been very grateful um, to have done. Um, and you meet, obviously, and you work with so many different people, um, all of that. But then when you're given a two and a quarter hour slot, to come in and work on just a 12 and a half minute piece and you're probably only in it for 
six minutes or something like that, but you've got to do this emotional sort of build up. There's there's an incredible idea of, of what of the rhythm that you've got to get to and and how you pace things and obviously that's when the director and everything else you know or everyone around you as well or the other actors that you work with give you all of that as well um, you know that you support each other and you work off each other and that's 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 the brilliance of it and now I'm so much more relaxed I mean oh so well, the first recording I ever did when I I came in was with Kelly Bright and it was in the um, we have a little um, uh, a room. Well, it still is there. But it's a room, but um, the Dark Lord. It's the room where we do all of the outdoor scenes, which is oddly enough mm. the smallest room in the in, in the in the recording studio. It's completely surrounded by sponge, and uh, in the dead room. And um, oh, I was. And when you're holding a script as well, and you know that these microphones are so sensitive. Honestly, they'll pick up any kind of noise whatsoever. So. Turnings. I would. I didn't have. A, I didn't have a clue about how to turn a, a page over. You know, and, and until Terry Malloy sort of basically showed me and told me. And um, how do you do it? How, how do you turn over a page without making noise? Well, um, I personally, a lot of people don't. Some people have to use, um, which is up to them, have to use um, uh, like music stands mm-hmm. where they place where they place the pages that, that are there. But sometimes at the pages, there's too many in the scene. But I just what I do is I just fold over the edge at the bottom um, all of the time, um, so off each um, page before you do it, and then you just literally, when you're reading, then you just like um, slowly fold over and away from the mic, and then come back, and then but it's then you're trying to keep eye contact with people if you can, and also keep your head up and um, and still keeping talking into the mic. So um, it's just it's just as little as you possibly can. So you you. You've that to deal with as well, because a lot of the time we go like, "Sorry, got to go again." Script noises, and you go like, "Oh God, sorry, sorry about that." Or we'll do a patch on that, or we'll do whatever because of, and also because the paper that they use now is not as, um, it's 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 flimsier than what they used to use um, in 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 the past days. So, so it does make a crackle. Is that part of BBC cutbacks that the paper's not even as good as it used to be? I'm not saying that at all, and I'm not going to be brought into that. But everyone does realise that the the, the, the the paper is a little bit I I hadn't thought about this. Uh, what I'm about to say uh, until you were talking about the character of Kate. Yeah. Um. I think. And I think just about every fan of the Archers will say that Kate, since she's come back from Africa, has been yeah. gold. Comedy gold. Oh, um, I, gold. I love Perdita. Absolutely. She's absolutely amazing. And I love working with her because um, she got me immediately. And actually, I'm, I'm, I, she, I think she was the first person that, that, that she met when, when she was in the green room coming in to do her first recording and, and we then talked and she was like, oh yeah, let, let, you know, please tell me about this. And I, and I was like, well, I don't know. It's obviously up to you. But um, it was Sean who um, introduced um, Perita, um in into the role of, of Kate. And, and he, was, he, was, he was brilliant as a director, really, in terms of what he wanted from us. And there was like one scene that we did where he, he basically likened it to um, like an old coward 
sort of scene. It was just like one, poof, 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 and like this, and it was like so quick in terms of like I want that, 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 because you know each other so well. It's going to be vicious, vicious, or that, that, and it's it's just. Like, well, th- th- that's what that's what I was going to say is that you thinking back now, there is a deep love and respect that Roy actually has for Kate. They can't Absolutely. be with each other, but they can't, but you know, not that they can't be without each other, but like, well, they have a child together. Yes. And they're two, but they're so opposite in terms of their, their kind of characters and stuff. And you've actually seen in the last couple of years, um, that Kate has acknowledged, uh, what Roy has done to parent Phoebe, but yeah. then also that the character of Roy has kind of acknowledged uh, that that Kate does have a certain energy and spirit, and I think the pair of you um, play that very well and quite very understated. Oh, well, thank you, you very much. That, that, thank you very much. That's uh, and, and that's exactly what we do. I think um, when the, also the the writers allow us to um, mm. to do that. I mean, there was I thought it was a quite funny sort of episode where we all went up. Um, and uh, to her place, and when when she had to um, uh, give us like some kind of like group training after the explosion um, uh, at Grey Gables, <laughs> and we all had to get together and do sort of like you know uh, group therapy and all yeah. of that. And, but and but when she was enormously funny in that, but Perdita at that time was seriously ill. I mean, literally, her voice was just like. And that's so we had to add in lots of different things about her having a cold or, or not too many, but, but she was, she was, she was serious, wasn't she? She was a trooper for actually getting through it. She was absolutely amazing. And, but Ian, um, but, Ian, Ian, what did Kate ever see in Roy? Come on. Like, oh, no idea. Would motorbike, you? motorbike, 16 years old, bit of freedom. And also, um, and we went out and made falafels in festivals. That- and a baby. True, you know, after I posed the question, I thought, "Mm, the Roy of like the mid 90s, he was fun. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So, so can, we have, can we have a little bit of fun brought back to modern 2020 Roy Tucker? I'm asking... That's not up to me, is it? It's not really up to me. It's up to the people that write the scripts and, and do whatever. And I, um, I was obviously, hopefully, trying to um, with uh, the sort of like affair with Lexi and all of that but then mm. that sort of felt it has to be said Anya who played oh, Lexi she she's a big fan of yours Mr Ian Pepperell she's like big ups to you we had her on last week and oh, off right. mic she says you're her mucker and on mic she said the same thing too yeah I'm saying that to me to her as well I absolutely adore Anya I think she's amazing I think honestly do as a person and also as an actor as well, but just mm. um, but all round generally, I mean absolutely stunning. In fact, I don't think, to be honest with you, that there's there's really anyone, especially in the Archers, there's no one at all that you know that I, I feel well. There's no animosity whatsoever, absolutely at all over the years. Really isn't because it's such a transient job. If you see what I mean, as I say, I, you know, sometimes I haven't been there for, six, for 18 months. And sometimes I'm there for, you know, all of the months or, or, or what, eight days or whatever. And you see a, a lot of people all the time around. Um, you know, some of us go out for drinks, some of us don't. Some of us, I mean, sometimes you get a place and you can cook for people or sometimes you, you don't or you go around. Sometimes you go out to the theatre. Sometimes you go and see a movie together. But it's 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 basically it's a family mm. um, uh, of, of you know of, of people who are there, and um, I mean it, it's just amazing. It's just brilliant. And, and what other job can you go into and work with someone who's one hundred and one years old? That's true. That, yeah. that is very true. Who is still contracted? Yeah, you know, must be June. Must be. The, the, the oldest woman in the world working, or obviously working, yeah, working on a contract, and she flies over from her place over in Spain to do it. She's 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 a force of nature, that woman. So um, so so you you are working with forces of nature all the time, and uh, and and uh, and people who not necessarily um are that famous, but sometimes they are, but sometimes mm. it doesn't really matter. But they come in, and, and I'll tell you, a lot of the time, 
as lot of the famous people that come in to do like you know one job or do whatever or whatever are even more terrified than anything else and so they literally are they shake it uh, and as i said before my first ever episode thinking and you think well five six million people might be listening to this and you've only got two hours to do it or 15 minutes sometimes in the studio and um but that eventually the relaxation um reduces if you see what i mean the for me the tension never does um because i still know and i've got that weight on my shoulders but you still get you you are just far more relaxed when you record if you see what i mean but sometimes you can get into the studio and you think, actually, on that day, I'm a really, I'm a really bit nervous today for some reason, which is weird because you, you shouldn't really be at all, even though I've been, what's it, 26 years now, 27 years I've been doing it. And it's, so it's, it's very, very odd. It's a very, very odd sort of thing um, that you get to. And when you hit that wall, you go like, oh, hang on a second, I've got to have a drink of water or something like that and just have, have a think about this for a second because there's no reason why I should be feeling like this but sometimes you do and it's just crazy and working I, and my working relationship also um with carol boyd i think is absolutely lovely i, I just love working with carol um as linda um she's just amazing and she's she's brilliant as well and i think we have like i'm sort of like her stooge i think a lot of the time and that, <laughs> that's sort of my role that they give me a lot of the time <laughs> um so i just like set her jokes up for her and um hopefully then we, we sort of play off each other and you know so she's brilliant to work with as is you know as is everyone and you know and you know and, and it's just it's just brilliant it's just brilliant to work with all these new people you get a real sense and everybody has said this that you are a band of brothers um you actors that you what you are is a repertory theater but you don't actually go and tour um no, it's absolutely. time it's totally. time uh sorry sorry because um, I'm really uh, conscious of the time here. It is the time, everybody, for you to ask your questions to, to Ian, uh, right. to, um, a.k.a. Roy Tucker. So, hello, Kerry Warbis. Hello, Sarah Street. Uh, we, we've never met before, Sarah Street. Um, right, I'm coming up to you, uh, Tim. Um, I'm going to unmute you or unmute yourself, sir, uh, Tim. There you go. Tim, fire your question away, sir. Okay. Uh, hi, Ian. Thanks for joining us. Um, a question about um, how your, uh, your your sort of two professional lives um, mesh together, if they do. I see. So you've got <clears throat> Robert Snell was a GP. Um, Charlotte who played Susan was a psychologist. Uh, now. You're, I, I believe you're, you're a publican, aren't you? You're, yes, you're, I am. Yeah, I have been for the last 15 years. Yeah. And so a hotelier. And a got, restaurant. You've got the bull, obviously, in the arches. You've also got Gay Gravels and um, Lower Loxley, who are you know, a hospitality business, but also have on licenses. To Toby is in the spirits business. Yeah. What I'd like to know is are there um, either storylines or things in the script which make you as a professional feel think oh you'd never do that that's not how you'd run it that's not how it would happen that's absolutely absolutely and i've actually um uh, been asked and also I've, I've given um advice on various different things in the past so uh, one was about um recently um 
uh, a producer came up um, and said, is there um, a difficulty with um, uh, uh, Kenton playing live music or something or, or records in um, yeah, in the bowl? For instance, is there, is there a license issue? Well, I thought, well, I thought not particularly because he surely should have had a PRS license anyway in the first place. They normally do. So, and um, um, so yeah, no. So there's, uh, but there's loads of other things in terms of licensing and whatever that I've, I've said. No, that won't happen really, and you shouldn't do that. So, um, so no, they do ask me, right. and I say that. But a lot of the time, that sometimes I might say, well, oh. Well, nonsense we've done it anyway so <laughs> that's it i said well okay well i wouldn't but yeah. there we, we need you know, it so, yeah no but there are there are lots of different things that i would i would I, yeah that i have said and actually and they have taken notice and said oh we're gonna have to change that or look it up um about that but i can only offer you know my my advice on different things and that's it so and I don't know anything about it. I mean, I'm still learning, and I'm 15 years in the trade, so I've got no idea. And and also, it's changing around and moving as we speak. You know, especially with COVID 19. So it's it's just hell knows what's going to happen. Um. Okay. Thank you for that question, sir. Right. I'm going back on to speak of you, um, Miranda Johnson. Pay attention. Yes, you. You weren't. It looks like you were texting. You pay attention. Right. Uh, hello, Audrian over there in, in California. It looks like you, you're at work. California? Yeah. All right, Paul, I'm going to come to you after I go to Linda Miller first. So, Linda, it looks like you're doing your hair to ask your question. Oh, can you unmute yourself, Linda? Yes, yes, you there. Unmute yourself. And <laughs> there you go, Linda, you're up. Hi. Um, I have to say I've spent quite a lot of time recently shouting at the radio when Roy has been musing about uh, the Baden Phil and um, uh, about uh, whether the uh, the horses are going to be found or whether the, we're going to find out that um, he really is a Baden. Um, I, I had kind of hoped that you would be given a um, a monologue to do where your so music will <laughs> work out what was wrong and what went on at the Gay Grable's um, explosion. Um, and I was wondering if you, if you have any inkling about how we're going to find out about this. I'm really sorry. I have no idea whatsoever. Um, they, um, they, they, obviously, they, they've given um, recording um, uh, things to uh, certain actors and uh, doing whatever, which is great because that's what they, they think that they want you know, for them to hear. But I think that this is such a big storyline that I'm not sure that they want to um, reveal anything um, uh, until we can get back into studio and um, and do anything, to be honest with you. So I think from hearing from my mind or um, from Philip's mind or anything like that, it will be a little bit tricky, I think, um, at this time. As I, as I said before, you know... Um, I think, you know, 12 and a half minutes of Roy's um, inner monologue will be silence and a cough. So, um, again, it was sort of like, mm, Stephen King. And that, and then that, that will be it So um, but at the time. But if they wish to uh, and write on uh, Roy's um, inner mind and musings, I'd be happy to um, read the scriptwriter's view of that and then and then try and, um, uh, uh, and perform something. But I'm not sure they'll come up with 
it would be hilarious. <laughs> Thank you for that question, uh, Linda. I'm coming over to you, Paul. Uh, you're up, sir. Go for it. Hi there. Um, Hi. Based on what you've just said, it's unlikely you're going to be able to answer the question I was going to ask you. All oh, right. Okay. So what's that then? Well, well first of all, can I just say that it was very interesting your answer to Tim's question because when I read a book, I hate it. I, I sort of fall out of the story when the writer clearly hasn't done the research and does something that's just wrong. And I'm interested to, to, to hear the fact that the writers clearly don't always do the research to find out, should we be writing this? Oh, no, it's not just the writers, because then it, it, it goes through um, a lot of other um, uh, processes in terms of, especially like um, with the farming issues and all of that, but also it goes through lawyers and different things like that in terms of what they are and what, what's right and wrong. It's just that there's very specifics every now and then where you think, well, that wouldn't actually happen or would anyone say that or would they do that? But there's just legalities, I think, a lot of the time that they, that, 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 that the editors and whatever, and, and that they can't actually put through. So they have to generalize, I think, quite a lot of different mm -hmm. stuff. I mean, it's, um, and it's, uh, the law is changing left, right, center as we speak at the moment. So I, I think that they're, and obviously I think the writers obviously sometimes have, you know, maybe what, a month or two months um before um doing anything so um and writing it so um that, that's again, any, anything could change but they don't but they do when you, if you're in there and you speak to the writers and the writers do come in sometimes um they do um obviously to see how it's going but if you mention that to the director or the editor and you say well if there's something in your expertise that you think is incorrect within um the script that will be immediately um looked at um, in studio, so someone will be telephoned and whatever, and check up on that, and so and then be corrected um, immediately there. So that's very interesting. The question yeah. I was actually going to ask—I mean, you may know the answer—but um, it was something that you brought up about the director, and, and yeah. it made me wonder what's happening to direction with the current method of doing the archers. I don't know, um, because I've not been directed by anyone um, yet. But well, I believe it's been directed um, down line. So like, like we are like on Zoom. So the, the, the actors have got um, a laptop. Um, and also they've, they've been given um, like a, um, a mini recording studio. So but also then they've got to dampen everything down. So they've got to give as many duvets as they possibly can. Yeah, we, we've seen all of those. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and then suddenly, but when they're online, um, with the um, studio, uh, whatever, then the director then basically will speak to them as well, say, well, can you do it this way? Can you try it this way? We're going to put this in, do whatever. And so the director, it's a very, very much, very different way of directing. It must be because in, in studio, obviously, the director's in there with you and um, uh, and saying, well, you know, just try it this way or try it that way or I think about this and that. But when you're doing monologues, it's completely different. Um, well, it was a totally different radio drama. To deal with. Actually, it's funny. It's funny you say that because I had a problem with listening to it originally, and I took uh, Kerry's advice to listen through headphones. With, through your headphones, yeah. And through the headphones, and only the omnibus. Yeah, absolutely. so I'm not doing the weeklies. But I realised today that I'm actually treating each of the omnibuses as a radio drama. Yes, you should. Yeah, it's a completely different um, yeah. uh, uh, genre entirely. It's not. It's not a serial um, at all, uh, um, you know, of, um, 
uh, like a soap opera. It's not at all. It is a completely different genre. Um, I hope that people can understand that and would appreciate it, to be honest with you. Thank you very much. That's a pleasure. Thank you. I, I, don't, I, I don't know about you, Ian, but I, I don't like soap operas. I like docudramas. That's what I listen to. That's what I get my yeah. teeth into. So I, I don't, like, what's a soap opera? I don't know. So. I know. All right. We've got, <laughs> we got one more question before we come to, come to the quiz. All right. Okay. You know what we're going to do? We're going to have three more questions because Rosie McGlynn and Melly are waving and Quentin. You always ask such good questions, Quentin. You should be running these bloody Zooms, sir. Uh, right. So, all right. We're going we're gonna to have four. They've got to be quick, though, because it's okay. now eight o'clock. All right, so Melly, um, I'm coming over to you. I know you're over there in Scotland. Um, why don't you unmute yourself? You go for it. Quick question. Very quick question. So Royfield is always asking, what is the point of Roy? Now, while I've not watched soap operas since I lived at my mother's house, this week there's been like Tisha Dean and Adam, Ian, Adam, Woodrow in EastEnders. And they're the stalwarts. They're the core people who don't always have the big storylines. But they're the ones that feed through. So when I was 10 years old, they were there. So Roy's almost like this constant character. What is the point of Roy? It's just that he's always there, is what I it's think. Great. <laughs> yeah. right. You know right. what? You know what I love about that question, uh, Melly? You are very quickly. Quickly and succinctly. Um, you have the right to reply. This this episode's all about you, sir. You're absolutely right. Um, I am always there, and, and hopefully I will be in the future. Totally. You need the constants, and you build the stories yeah, around the like constants, the but the constants maintain the narrative. I'm like the Ian Beale of the radio. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that, Melly. Rosie McGlynn, you're up. Go. Hi, Ian. Uh, just a quick question. Uh, we had Anya last week, um, and she was fabulous, obviously. And the question of Xander's parenting came up from me so my question is if adam dies of covid and ian <laughs> you can't say that. i just did um would roy uh, help to co-parent zander because he loves lexi he's a great dad to phoebe um let's think of the future <laughs> well i think entirely i would <laughs> Good. But again, of course, because the thing is, is that I think, you know, there's a huge hole in Roy's heart about Lexi, you know, and just the whole thing. The thing is about that she's got her daughters, you know, Violetta and whatever. They're wrong with that. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Let's bring it on. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. That's a, that's a great idea. Uh, <laughs> Quentin, uh, you're up, sir. Quentin, go for it. Hi, Ian. It's Quentin here. Can you hear me? Hi, Quentin. Yeah. Hi. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. Uh, first mm-hmm. things first, I must say that uh, 12 and a half minutes of you uh, just coughing once and silence is preferable to a whole week <laughs> and Helen and their internal monologues, I can tell you. So <laughs> I'm all for that. Uh, Melly slightly, uh, not stole my thunder, but I, I agree with uh, Melly that I think Roy feels always asking what is the point of Roy? I think you are the everyman. You are the everyman of Ambridge. I mean, you're the guy wow. who everybody turns to in a crisis. I mean, yep. it, it, and the whole thing about will they, won't they with Kirsty? It's like the, it's like the uh, uh, Ross and Rachel dynamic in Friends. I mean, it's, it's that important. <laughs> well, you know, do you know what I mean? I mean, the thing is, is that 
I knew the storyline, obviously, which hasn't been told, um, uh, because because we had to close down. So, which obviously I can't tell that anymore. Whether it's that's going to change, or I've got no idea. But um, I knew something of more about not not about them, those two, but about what was going to happen. But obviously, whether that's going to happen or not, um, I've got no idea. See, that's what's going to sustain us. Will will they won't they get get together? Um, Last week, I uh, had a few quickfire questions for Anya. Yeah. I'm going to do a, quick, a couple of quick fires with you, okay? Go on, Kirsty, Kate, Lizzie, and Lexi, what's your secret, Roy? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just that dynamic. <laughs> dynamism, dynamism, okay. And, uh, and a question I did ask Anya yesterday, who's duller, Roy or Adam? Um, I think the both of us, <laughs> to be honest with you, are <laughs> Say. I, I disagree. I'd say Adam by by a by an absolute mile. So and that's what Anya said. It was Adam. Oh right. Okay. <laughs> so you're, you're you're much more interesting than Adam. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you very much. So, it's just it's just it, it, we only play. You can only play the the lines that are written um, on the page. If you see what I mean. You're a nice you guy. Do, you, do you know what the problem is? A lot with this, I think, with these um, inner monologues, which are very very hard to do. Um, is, is that a lot of them come across as depressing and um, sort of like, you know, because they're in, inside your head and, and doing whatever. And it's a very hard thing in, in terms of acting um, to do. But and my first ever great sort of like person that I worked with, oddly enough, was David Wood, who was a, um, um, a, a, a children's writer and director, world famous, but also was in the film F, he was an actor and whatever. He was saying, um, say everything, if you get a negative, say it positively. Um, and 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 that basically will create something, um, especially for children in children's theatre. It's amazing. So you can't say no. I'm not going to do that. You go no. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do something else. Yeah. Well, I um, I think I, I think Roy's a really nice guy. So you, oh, on, thank you on. very much. Hang on in there, Ian. Yeah. I will do. I'm going to try to. Well, I have done for 27 years. I'm by my fingertips. You <laughs> <laughs> see the blood. <laughs> <laughs> it's so nice to see everybody. Um, uh, uh, so Drew from Hamilton over there in Tokyo, looking at you, sir. Hello. Uh, hey, but Drew. I know Pat, you wanted to ask a question. Your hand's been digitally waved, so I'm gonna unmute you. You you have the right of being the last Dumpty Dumber to ask a question today. Oh. You ask away there, Pat. It's lovely to see you. Um... Ian, I was going to oh, say, I must thank you. I'm, I'm a big Roy fan, so I'm, oh. I love Roy. Superb. I'd like him to be my friend. Thank you. I think you could really lean on him. But what <laughs> I wanted to ask you about was, we hardly ever hear about Hayley, and we certainly never hear about your, I think she's called Abby, the daughter that you share with Hayley. And that doesn't seem right for Roy, because you think he's... No. You're absolutely right. It's just that he sees her when we're not listening, sort of thing. I but, think that's meant to be the point. <laughs> um, but um, I can't really answer that um, in a political uh-huh. manner. So um, I, I, I'm really too, sorry. Though. But I completely understand that as well. And uh, and I think that that's a little bit mad. Also, um, about not seeing my dad or anything like that. But, but, that, but we sort of like touched on that a little bit. Well, yeah, it, that that doesn't quite make sense because, as I said before, the Tuckers really were a, a real family. 
Right. Um, we're almost at the end. Hello, Lisa de Brulee. Pay attention. Yes, head up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So it's uh, the dum de dum quiz. It's the answers. And um, stupidly, I actually gave you one one of the answers um, when I was rattling through trying to do the description for our uh, uh, visually impaired listeners. So number one, this is an archer's thing or person. We've got a map of Scotland. Scotland is green. There's an island which is purple. That island is Lewis, the Isle of Lewis. Rose McGlynn's is going, she's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you're up there in Scotland, you know all this. Then next to that, we have a motor vehicle or a car. And then we have Michael Jackson. That is Lewis Carmichael. Right, that's number one. Did you get that, Ian? No, not at all. I know Lewis. So obviously, Lewis, it works at great, uh, lower Loxley. But... Well, you were there. You were... We're going to give you that then. You got Lewis. Well done. Yeah. And this is the one where I actually said, when I, in the description, I said, this is a bar, right? And then, um, and then we have Mr. Tall, and then we have a bumblebee. This is Bartleby. Bartleby. Oh, the horse. Bartleby. The, the donkey. Yeah. And then, what do we have here? Any idea, Quentin? Nod or shake your head. Rosie, any idea? Nod, shake your head. No idea. These are lots of tunnels. I couldn't count how many. Polly, many. Polly tunnels. <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm, sorry. I'm, sorry, I'm patting myself on the back with that one. When I came up, I went, hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's poly, poly tunnels. Oh, oh, really? Mr. Ian Pepperell, I'm going to ask the questions. You're going to answer them. At All which right. festival did Roy and Lizzie consummate their affair? It was Latitude. Isle of Wight. What you like? You're at the Isle of Wight Festival. I don't want I don't, I don't name and shame you, Ian, but you are the first actor of the art, of the archers to get one of their questions wrong. Not naming and shaming, just calling it, it as I'm, it is. I'd actually written down <laughs> festival, Ian. Next question. What was the name of Roy's awesome, cool, and fantastic sister? Right, it's Brenda. Well, of course, it's Brenda Tucker. Roy has been about a bit, and actually, Quentin was right. You've had some, some of the ladies, haven't you, in, in, in the village? So, I have. But you've also worked just about everywhere. Where have you not worked? The golf club. The golf club. Well done. Um, where do you live, Roy? At Willow Cottage. Willow Cottage is correct, and Quentin's going. Oh no! I put Willow Farm. No, because and... we split the we split the farm up into two. Exactly. And Brian, Brian and Jennifer live next door. Yes, they, yes, they do now. When Kate told Roy that she was pregnant with Phoebe, what did Roy ask for? Can you remember, Ian? Um, I'm going to say um, to name the baby. No, a paternity test. Did I really? Yes, you did. Because I knew I'm not sure this is line over her being named, the naming of the baby, and she wanted it up on a hillside. Well, there's a kind of, it's a bit of a slightly trick question, right? Because it was a whole kind of naming thing, but you immediately asked for a paternity test. You went, what? I don't know, it's mine. Oh, uh, because she, she was the um, the, she was with the fella, and that's when the drug overdose Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, um, Mr. Pepperell, uh, I did, didn't didn't do very well on that. You but. didn't know. 
as I said, not naming and shaming, but you've done I'm ba- I'm the least well of any actor that's come on the show, Archer. I'm really sorry. Just saying. Just saying. But listen, we appreciate that you've given up your Friday to come on to tell us that Roy, there is a point to Roy. Well, I tell you, after Dumbly Dumbass, I actually explained the point. You're the everyman. You're, you're, you're the person in the street. You're the person who the listeners can identify with because you're, you're a solid character. And you're just there. You're also a very good father as well. Absolutely, yeah. Well, and how on earth? I, I raise a daughter to go to Oxford and pass with a 2-1. I've got no idea. <laughs> and if anybody needs a best man at their wedding, Roy Tucker is always available. Now, I've been there at least three or four times, actually. Do you know what? At my wedding to um, um, uh, to Hayley, uh, mm-hmm. my dad wasn't even there. But um, do you know who was? Who was given the line? Who's that? What's that bloke from... Um, uh, uh, he, he was in Blue Peter at the time and then went on the one show. Matt. Um... Don't ask me, I never asked the one show. I don't know, yeah, the one show. He used to um, present the one show. Was he your best man or were you your best man at your own wedding? Because you're only no, the best man at everybody no, no, else's he, wedding. He was, he was in my wedding, um, sort of thing. <laughs> he was mine, but my dad wasn't actually at my wedding. But he was there doing a documentary for um, for Blue Peter, doing um, uh, with, with his raising his little puppy dog um, as a uh, as a sheep dog. Oh, it's the most adorable thing because obviously I, I, I dogs are the best. I love dogs, so um, they're absolutely adorable. So what, they nabbed him from next door and th- and threw him into. No, it. they were in doing a documentary about the archers, and I think it was the fiftieth anniversary of the archers at that time. So we did like they were doing quite a lot of stuff. And I got a blue Peter badge for it, which I thought was just like well, <laughs> And a wife. And a wife and in a wife. <laughs> <laughs> Ian Pepperell, I need to thank you uh, for coming on to Dum De Dum Does Zoom. And at this point, all Dum De Dummers that do Zoom know the drill. I'm looking at you, Claire Asprey. Right, I think I've unmuted everybody. You can unmute yourself if you're not unmuted. And we need to give Ian a round of applause. Oh. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Ian. Uh, oh, wait a minute. I, I pressed the wrong button there on oh, crumbs. Wait a minute. You were you're in mid flow, Ian, and now I've lost you over here on the. Oh, you know where 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 have we gone? Here we go. Let's unmute you. Can you unmute yourself? I'm trying to unmute you. I'm just saying, uh, hopefully it's not been too boring. <laughs> like Roy. Ian, thank you so much. Listen, uh, thank you again, Ian. Next week, we have Annabelle Dowler, who plays. Oh, Annabelle. Firstly, yep. She's going to tell, tell us all about the contents of your spreadsheet, sir. Right, yeah, when you're when you're about to go online dating. As well, no doubt. <laughs> so next week at seven o'clock, we have Annabelle Dowler, Kirsty Miller. Then the week after that, we have Tim Bentink, and then we're gonna put these oh. dum 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 da zoom to bed. No. Until there's a. I'm so sorry. We, we oh, have, you, 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 you're going to run out of actors. We're going to run out of actors if we're not careful. We, we, we've got to spread them out. It's same time, same place, same, I'm going to say back channel, um, on Zoom, next week, 7 o'clock, toodle pit. oh, listen to Dum to Dum. We have a very special 
dum-de-dum co-host this Tuesday. You get it on a Tuesday. I'll do it on a Monday. Really special. You'll recognize the voice and you go like that when you hear it. And you never know, he might come on and do a few dum-de-dums. That's all I'm saying. Mum's the one. <laughs> Take care, everybody. See you Take again. Care. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, Ian. Thank Bye. you. Bye.